Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode is a former college soccer player at Fordham University, where he was a captain and champion. He's the author of two books, Changing the Game and Every Moment Matters. They are linked up here. His TEDx talk is approaching a half million views on YouTube alone. He's coached soccer for over 20 years, and he is the founder and CEO of the Changing the Game Project. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, John O'Sullivan. How are you doing today, John? Doing great, man. Just got back from a little bit of exercise and I'm feeling energized and ready to go. Good, good. Great to hear. Uh, I've been a follower of uh, Changing the Game for a long time. I remember watching your TEDx talks many years ago and um, listeners that might not be familiar with Changing the Game, can you talk a little bit about uh, your organization and kind of what the mission is and what you got going on? Yeah, well, it's interesting. LinkedIn just told me that January was my 10-year anniversary. Um, so, so yeah, 10 years ago, I was pretty burnt out from coaching and the politics of youth sports and needed to sort of shift and do something different and um, had this opportunity to, uh, well, I just decided to write a book. And then, so I write this book, Changing the Game for, for parents and help them out. I figured like, hey, I've learned a lot over couple decades of coaching and I'm now in it with my own kids and um, and then realized pretty quickly like it's it's not that hard to write a book it's kind of hard to sell a book and so um, so then my publisher was like you have to start a blog and and it was really the change in the game project movement and blog that um, helped the work take off started speaking got to do a TED talk all that and yeah a couple of years ago, we started a podcast called Way of Champions and uh, with Jerry Lynch and I. And then, um, yeah, and, you know, I guess two years now, I published a coaching book as well called Every Moment Matters. And COVID's been crazy for all of us, um, yeah. working a lot virtually, doing some in-person work and, uh, you know, just looking forward to the time when we can get back out there connecting with people on a one-on-one -on -one level and not through a screen. No offense. Yeah, no, no offense, no offense. It's been uh, got to take advantage of what you can uh, when yeah. you can, right? Um, you mentioned kind of that that transition out of coaching. What were maybe those key factors that you know where you felt the need for sharing some of the things you do? Right. You know, I, I was. I mean, my my sort of origin story that I tell. I was watching my daughter, who was six at the time. Um, playing and you know it was your great six-year-old soccer game right and the giant blob of kids and mm -hmm. they fall and they trip and sometimes they score in the wrong goal but they're still excited and you know, the parents get it and they're positive and no one's like angry that their kid is picking daisies or whatever they're just like right. happy they're out there and it's a nice day and and right next door there's this 10-year-old game and it's a competitive game right and all the parents are yelling at the kids and they're all yelling at the you know, Raph, who's like 12 and, you know, the coaches are, and it's just like, I'm like, Oh, that's like disgusting. Is anyone on my field going, wow, four years, we can spend lots more money and do that, you know? And, and so, so that was kind of it. And I was like, wow, like, I think 
you know, 99% of parents love their kids and they just want to help, but they don't know where to look. They don't know what good looks like. What does good coaching look like? What is, what is a good youth sports environment? What does a good club do um, to, to provide you with resources? Um, how can I help my kid? What should I say after a game if I'm frustrated or angry? Um, how do we approach these things? And I felt like there wasn't really this resource for it. And so I, I'm certainly not the only one, but I feel like Changing the Game Project became a good place for people to go and go, oh, okay, yeah, this is good stuff here. Yeah, no, you're uh, a wonderful storyteller um, is one of the things I think I always appreciate <laughs> in some of your blogs over the years, um, especially in getting good points across uh, and being authentic. So um, when you take a look at you sports, high school sports, that kind of ecosystem, what's the kind of greatest threat that you see facing it right now? And then if it's different, maybe five to 10 years from now. Well, I mean, I think one, this, the meritocracy, right? Sport used to be this place where it didn't matter if you had money or whatever, if you were good enough, we had a spot for you. Yep. And now you sport has been pushed to these high commitments and private coaching and all this stuff down so young that, that, you know, if you don't have the money and, and, and the time, your kid's out of the pipeline, Right. Yeah. Or, or, you know, they don't get in the pipeline at seven because they want to play football and basketball and baseball. And the football coach or the baseball coach, or the basketball coach is saying, uh-uh, you only do this if you want in in this group, sure. right? And so, and so they are either forced to specialize when they shouldn't and when they don't want to, so they lose ownership, or they keep trying to do a couple of sports and then all of a sudden can't get back in even though they're a great athlete. And some sports naturally let people back in the pipeline, right? If you're 6'10", your <laughs> basketball coach is going to give you a shot, right. right? If you're, you know, if you're a great athlete, you can probably jump back into baseball, um, whatever. Same thing with football, right? But then there's other sports that require a lot more and, and you can't get back in. And so, you know, to me, that's this threat. And, and the numbers bear this out, right? During the last recession, there was research around, um when, when, you know, who dropped out at the highest percentage rate mm -hmm. and, and who stayed in sports. And of course it was upper class and upper middle class kids, mostly white. Right. Um, and it was, you know, racial minorities and, and people economically disadvantaged. And during COVID it's, it, it's again, right. It's the same thing. Yep. So sport, youth sport has the gateway has become something for the wealthy. And that's a huge, huge problem. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think felt like with the recession, some teams disappeared, at least in some of our markets, it feels like some leagues have now disappeared, you know, it, you know, hit, especially with, by the, you know, factors that you just spoke of. Yeah, for sure. Um, as you, uh, you know, you mentioned the way of champions being out here in Colorado, I've come across coaches that have been part of the event. Always, uh, again, one of the ways I've always followed you and, and your guys' work, but, uh, what, uh, what do you guys got cooking? Can you tell people what Way of Champions is? I, I know you've been doing it for many years and then kind of what, what's cooking this year. Yeah, well, <clears throat> let me go back a couple of years. You know, so Way of Champions is the business. I have a partner on the conference and, and his name is Dr. Jerry Lynch. And uh, he's been a sports psychologist for 50 years and written 14 books and whatever. And so we connected 
God, seven years ago or eight years, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> we just hit it off. Both our dads were New York City firemen. You know, we, we had a lot in common there. Products of New York Catholic school education, all that sort of stuff. Jerry's an unbelievable athlete, was a master's national age group record holder in the marathon, all that. So we really hit it off. And um, he was living in Boulder at the time. And, and we went for a hike and we went for a hike and, and we talked about how we could do something together. And we were hashing out this idea of, of a conference. And he's like, look, I have all this material, but I don't, you know, but I have a flip phone, you know? And I'm like, look, I can like, do the online part and I can sign people up and whatever, like, and, and I have material and you've got this record, Jerry, right? Like you've won at this point, you know, 39 NCAA titles, like yeah. you're, you're working with people who are winning world championships, Olympics, whatever. <clears throat> you have this philosophy of, and, and a, a process, you know, you know, outcome aware, but like purpose and process driven and East versus West. And you know, it works. Right. And I have a lot of research and ideas around this, but I'm 50 years behind you in <clears throat> implementing this with teams. Um, so let's partner on this. And so we're on this hike in Boulder and we hash out this thing over two hours. We get to the top and we're overlooking Boulder. And I'm like, hey, Jerry, what's the name of this hike? He's like, I don't know. You know, so, so we're walking down and I see this sign and the hike we're on is called Mount Sanitas, S-A-N-I-T-A-S. You know, and so I'm like, oh wonder what that means. So I get back, we get a signal again. I look up the word sanitas and it's this Latin word that says like soundness of mind, soundness of body, uh, correctness of style. And I'm like, holy cow, that's what we just spoke about for two hours, right? If we can coach this way, if we can lead this way, if we can build teams this way, good things happen. Um, so that was the origin of let's do a conference. And it started in Boulder with 50 coaches. And, you know, the, the last live one we did was, um, would have been 2019. And we, and we, you know, had 170 coaches or something from five continents uh, in Colorado. And, um, and then last year we did it virtually, or we had a cancel in 2020, right. We were planning on doing one. So we, did it virtually last year and we had 260 coaches uh from every continent um including some guy who was stationed in antarctica once in a while so we did actually have all the continents covered um and uh it was amazing and and we did it virtually and and we sort of reimagined it of like well who's all the people we'd never get in the same room from a a presenter, a guest standpoint, like we don't want to try to put on the same conference because our conference as your friends have probably told you, right? Like it's about connection. It's about breakouts. It's not your typical coaching conference where moving between goes, hotel rooms and convention. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, Oh, I went to this session. What do you do? No, we put everyone through the same thing and, and we build connection and camaraderie and, and act like, Hey, they're our team. And, and how do we go about this? And, you know, I don't think there's too many coaching conferences where like in the afternoon on day three, people are in tears talking about this changed my life, yeah. you know? Um, and, and so we knew we couldn't do that virtually. So how could we reimagine it? Well, let's bring in people that we couldn't. So we brought in Steve Kerr and Quinn Snyder and 
Tara Vanderveer from Stanford basketball and Anson Dorrance and Jenny Levy from University of North Carolina and George Mumford mindfulness guy and yeah. just kind of reimagined it. It was really, it was really cool. So here in 2022, when the world is still like, huh, I don't know. Um, we're going to do a virtual one in June. Um, we haven't announced the guests yet, but we've got some new fantastic guests and then um, that, that will cross into some sports that we didn't have present last year, which is awesome football and baseball and stuff like that. Cool. And, and then, um, and then we're going to probably try in August to do a live one and we're going to put it on the calendar and see how, whether our pandemic becomes endemic and people are willing to go sit in a room for a while. So yeah. that's the plan for sure. At least, at least in Colorado, we can maybe sit outside for part of it. Right. I, we hope so. Yeah. We <laughs> hope so. Um, you know, you mentioned some amazing people, you know, you guys had as guests in the past and uh, Dr. Jerry Lynch for sure. Uh, who are some other people that, you know, inspire you or you look to learn from to uh, positively make change and, and change the game? I mean, I've been incredibly lucky and you probably know this, you know, from having your own podcast, like, you know, I started it like, oh, let me get these people and, and, you know, help the coaches in our community learn or whatever parents or athletes, whatever. And now 250 something episodes in, I'm like, you know, kind of selfish. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I love talking to these people and most people are willing to give an hour of time. And um, <clears throat> so you know, I get to bring on guests who are like incredible coaches, like we've talked about, right? At the highest level, world champions, world cup champions, all that. Get to bring on some pretty awesome athletes who, you know, national teams, Olympics, world cups, whatever it is. Um, but I love the psychology piece. I, I love the, the sports science piece when we talk about skill acquisition and, and talent development. I love the um, you know, how do you become a better teacher? So pedagogy and things like that. Like I, I, I learned so what much. Pe what that. pedagogy? That, that's okay. just like the, the practice of teaching. Okay. Right. So like, how, how do I, you know, most of us coaches, right. What's, what's our qualifications to coach? Well, I played football. I played soccer, but playing it and teaching it are two different things. So don't, don't we really need to learn like how to be a better teacher? And so, you know, and what's teaching? How do I communicate? How do I give feedback that's effective? How do I check for understanding? How do I know the difference between performance and learning? How do I design an environment that's the optimal, optimal learning environment? Like these are things that we often never learn as coaches. And, and I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never met a coach who's like, I have too much practice time. Let me give some back. Right. So if, if that's the case, then I need to be as efficient and effective as possible with the time that I have. Well, you know what? There's a heck of a lot of research out there that tells me how to do that. And so I love people like that as well. So I get a list a ton of people that no one's ever heard of um, or, or some people have heard of. Um, but I, but I just think, you know, you go through and you find topics that you like and, and, and uh, you know, I love when, when Steve Kerr says, Oh my God, I listened to so-and-so in your podcast and I went to practice the next day and we did this and it was great. And, you know, I'm like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, one of the things that I always think is important and, you know, you talk about in your work is play. And when I work with football players, it's, you know, it's not do football, it's not work football, it's play football. Mm -hmm. um, 
why is play so important as far as development and keeping kids engaged with sport? I mean, I think, again, let's go into the research. And, you know, there's a guy, Peter Gray, who's sort of famous for this work on the importance of play. And, I mean, look at look at any animal out there. What do the young animals do? They play, and that's how they learn how to hunt and how to interact, and they learn hierarchy and all that. Um, play for children, you know, what does it bring? It brings own, when, when, when it's free play, when it's really child-directed play, they own it, right? They invent the game. They make up the rules, and this is the field, and those are the goals or whatever. They enjoy it because if they don't enjoy it, then they stop and they go home or they do something else, right? And then they're intrinsically motivated to, to do more of it. And so the art of coaching is finding that balance between, like, why did kids sign up, right? Like, no one signed up to like, oh, God, I hope we stand in line all day every day, <laughs> right? right. They, they don't sign up. Like, they signed up to play a game, and so our job as coaches is how do we let them play as much as possible? Every sport's different, right? You can't just line up, you know, 11 v 11 football day after day and let them beat the crap out of each other, right? So you have to find and, and you have to find your moments to teach. But how can I teach within a game that makes this feel like play so that at the end of it, they're like, that was great. When do we get to do that again? And, 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 and that's the art. And then how do we back out as a coach so that kids can make decisions, so that kids can um, <clears throat> own it, so that they're free to make mistakes and, and, and fail and not avoiding those things. You know, th this, is, this is it, right? I just had a conversation with a parent this morning, a friend whose kid was afraid to shoot. And I was just saying like, yeah, give me, give me a, a basketball player who's afraid to shoot and I'll show you a basketball player who's been yelled at for missing shots or told not to shoot in the past. Right. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Play plays. Awesome. Yeah. Let them play. Let them play. Um, you could wave a magic wand and change something instantaneously about everything in youth coaching. What would you what would you want to wave the wand and make happen? I mean I think I would I would say, right, like I could think of some concrete things that would, you know, do it. But I think if I could wave a magic wand and all of a sudden every coach, regardless of someone who does it for a profession like yourself, to the dad who just volunteered to do you know, a season of Pop Warner football or whatever is be really, really aware of your influence, right? Be aware of your influence and, and ask yourself, right? If I was a, a player in this practice, would, would I want to be, would I want to be a player in this practice? Right. And, and, and aware of how every word you say, how every body movement, right, sends a message that's either positive or negative. And if you're not careful about that message, um, you know, that, you know, sport isn't good, right? Sport's neutral, like it's only good and a force for good when, when you make it such. So that's what I would think, because I, I don't think many coaches recognize their influence 
or and if they do and still use it poorly and then dismiss that as ah kids these days are soft or whatever so that that'd be my magic spell. I don't know what you would call that one, but <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> awareness, the self awareness spell. Yeah, no, I love it. No, that'd be amazing. Um, you're an athlete yourself. Uh, back in the, your time, just like a lot of us, probably most of our listeners on this podcast, um, you could jump into a time machine and go back and visit 16 year old John. What's one thing from your journey? that you've learned that you'd want to tell your younger self? It's mm, a great question. There would definitely be, don't go to the game when you're, when you're 17, that you like broke your tib fib. Sort <laughs> 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 of skip that, we'll skip that game. <laughs> then again, maybe I wouldn't because that's all part of who I am today. You know, I think when you ask people that, like, and if you're okay with who you are and what you do in the moment, then then it's really hard to say I would change anything. Yeah, I, I think I think the biggest thing that athletes, that a 16-year-old athlete never feels is what a privilege it is to play and, and, and how quickly this goes by. Yeah. And pretty soon you won't have, you know, so when you're complaining about doing the running, well, you know, what you really are going to regret is when you have nothing to run for anymore. You know, and so, um, you know, just take advantage of the, of these moments. And uh, if you really love this and want to do this, live live in a way that that gets you towards that goal every day. And that's a fifty year old talking to a sixteen year old. I don't think sixteen year olds can really grasp that concept because it's like, ah, whatever. You know, yeah. I mean, I remember being hurt in college and be like, ah, oh, whatever, who cares? So that'll hurt when I'm 50 and now I'm 50. I'm like, ah, darn it, <laughs> my knee, you know, yeah. no doubt. No yeah. doubt. Um, one other question. I don't know. What would you say? Like, what would you say to yourself? Um, you know, I think to me, and I, I know I've asked this question to numerous guests, uh, I think, so I've heard a lot of input, but I, I used to always joke, I, I probably just kind of needed to be kind of punched. Yeah, <laughs> I needed some humility at 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely thought I was too cool for my britches and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and l- life serves it up eventually. And it did my senior year in a different way, but, uh, I was closer to 18 by then. Um, yeah. but it served it up hard at 18. And, and you yeah. know, I think, um, just like you mentioned is, is, is also how quickly sports can go away, whether it's by injury, poor decisions, combinations of pandemic who knows uh, i mean yeah. um teams and, and things can go away quickly uh so i think that it really that big humility pill is probably what i would have given myself yeah. some advice on well there you go yeah i mean again i think we can all think of things that we would appreciate a little more of but i think overall i appreciated my experience growing up for sure yeah me too and i think you know, the old, no struggle, no strength. Right. I mean, those, those are kind of things that, that create who we are. And, um, you know, those situations are meant to be, we can say, or whatever you believe in, um, which is kind of the last question that I wanted to wrap up with. Um, I think youth sports, high school sports, aspiring athletes shooting for what, you know, high aspirations, especially when they're, internal not not an external factor pushing those aspirations uh 
uh, of chasing a dream, chasing a belief. Uh, we see too often in youth sports sometimes the wrong parent, wrong coach, just like you kind of you talked about downgrade those opportunities or kind of maybe poo-poo those dreams to people. Uh, can you just talk about, because I'm, I'm a big proponent, it's one of the things I love to talk about is just how vital uh, the power of belief can be, not just our internal belief, but when we can transfer that belief through, through coaching or being a teammate. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we talk about, we talk about a lot. Jerry has this acronym that we call the river, right? And, and that when, when you make someone feel respected, when, when they're inspired, when they're, when they're validated, when, um, when they're empowered and um, when, when they feel relevant, right. And they have a role, like when, when you do that for people, um, that's when they perform their best. And, and I think you could maybe throw all those things under the heading of belief, right? Like when, when someone has those things, then they believe in themselves. Then they believe in, in the fact that they could, you know, they can make this shot or they can make this team or whatever. And so, I mean, we, we learn more and more. This guy, Fergus Conley uh, once uh, said to me, he said, psychology is just physiology that we haven't been able to improve yet. And I kind of like that idea in a way because we're now open much more to the effect of the mind upon the body. And we all know this, right? I mean, if you go through a time of great stress, right. And, and then you get on the scale a week later, you might've lost 10 pounds. Right. And so the idea that what's going on on the inside has no effect on the outside is such crap. And yet there's this, there's this, you know, bias in sport that if you're thinking about belief, if you're thinking about the inner game, you're somehow weak or whatever, but yet, no, like, why wouldn't you train that? That'd be like, I, well, I'm not going to go to the weight room. That's not important. Like we'd never say that. Yeah. Well then train that inner game too, because the most influential coach in your life is the voice in your head Hands and down. it can really screw you up or it can push you forward. And it can do both in the same day. It can do both in the same play. <laughs> <laughs> True. You know? Um, so, yeah. Well, John, uh, greatly appreciate you coming on. Appreciate the insight. Great stuff. And love everything you're about and everything you share, my man. Well, it's awesome. And I, I hope some of your listeners, you know, check out Change the Game Project. And yeah. Check out the way of champions and, you know, I love the work that, that you're doing as well. The world needs many voices out there because as my yeah. kids show me every day, they're certainly not all going to listen to me. Oh yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I spent the last a year and a half on a college football staff out here and it was, yeah, a lot of kids. I mean, even the kids, you know, the kids that are playing at that level still just the things that need to be developed and the inner game and, you know, it was a school, they got 400 plus athletes, one sports psychologist that has 20 hours a week, you know? Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, good luck with that. Yeah. And they're doing the 20 hours are all people with, you know, po- you know, they're not prehabbing yeah. kind of situations. And so, um, you know, to be able to work with football team and stuff was great, but it's just like kids are, kids are hungry for it. Even when they mm-hmm. have kind of their talent has got them there. Um, yeah, for sure. Figure out a lot of things in this world, weird world. So. It um, is. And well, it's really weird right now. 
<laughs> and, and I mean, let's leave that as a parting thought for anyone listening. Like yeah. there's no playbook right now yeah. and, and kids are suffering right now. And I, the things that I've heard in the last, you know, two years almost now of what kids are going through, mm-hmm. um, the things that have gotten them to the point of being hospitalized or, you know, seeking counseling or whatever, like, you know, and, and family disruptions and separations and divorces and all that, like, my God, like more in the last two years than in the previous 25. Right. And so like, just have some grace for your kids. We'll end with that. If you're out there listening, have a little extra grace with yourself and a little grace with those around you and have a great day. John, thank you so much. Appreciate it. That was awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode, we would love your help spreading the Elevate message. You can find me on Instagram at Elevate Educate Rejuvenate. That's with the numeral instead of the A-T-E. Thank you again, and if I can help you with anything, please reach out. And don't forget, go elevate others.